0: the voice in my head or my opinion of myself is not me. And that does not define what I can or cannot achieve. It's only my actions that will define what I can achieve.
1: Welcome everyone to the Ask a CEO show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg DiMetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews.
2: Welcome to Ask a CEO. I'm Greg Demetrio, your host. My day job is CEO Lorraine Gregory Communications, which is an integrated marketing agency in New York. But my real fun job is uh, being the host of this Ask a CEO show where I get to meet and talk to CEOs from all different types of industries uh, from all over the world. Uh, It's my passion. It's my joy. And I love to do this. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Today, our guest is Anant Kataria, who is the CEO and co-founder of Sagacious Research in 2008 to provide solutions in the intellectual property space throughout the IP cycle. Now, in 2008, the Sagacious team of over 300 professionals have served over 2,000 customers with high-quality IP solutions from nine offices across six continents. They're one of the largest in the IP space. And himself was selected as the Young Turk and featured on a CNBC TV show of the same name. He was also ranked as I.M. Strategy 300 list in 2019, and the company was certified as a great place to work in 2018 and 2020. Sagacious Services and Solutions are elevated client savings of over $500 million and helped them make a billion dollars by giving them solutions to the challenges they face at various IP lifecycle events. Not moved to Toronto, Canada in July 2019 to focus on the North American market. He's also written several articles that have been featured in Economic Times. So welcome to the Ask a CEO show, I.
0: Thank you. Nice to be here, Greg.
2: You know, it's very interesting. You've built and run a global company with offices on several continents, which is just mind-blowing to me, right? But before we get into that, perhaps you can tell us your backstory, how you wound up where you are today
0: yeah sure uh, so um, I'm an engineer uh, by education so when I was doing my engineering uh, I, I was a mechan- I mean I was doing my mechanical engineering and it was in my, my dream job to be working with one of the top automobile companies in India in their r d division. And thankfully, by by the end of my engineering, I got, a, I, I got a job offer with that company. So I started there, worked there for a year and a half. And that's when I realized that, uh, at least in India, the tech space was slow, the automotive engineering, new research was slow. And I thought this is not for me, I wanted something fast. So, uh, you know, and that was also the time when I uh, someone introduced me to this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was the first time I read it. And that triggered this thought that I don't, you know, first, I don't want to be working in, in this setup. And then second, I probably do not want to be working as an employee. I probably want to build something. Mm. So, so I think then I moved to EvaluServe, which was a knowledge process outsourcing firm, a KPO, so to say, which is, a company uh, that was, I mean, they coined the term KPO. There was a, they were the first KPO in the world. And when I got in there, I really loved the job. It was all tech. We just got to analyze patents, technical thing, legal thing. I, I was just, you know, very happy working there. And then combining the two things, why not do the same thing on my own? So around two and a half years after working at EvaluServe, I started Sagacious with uh, with my partners. Uh, we were three people when we started and it was not a good time to start a company. It was like 2008 a recession.
2: <laughs> Is it ever a good time though? But that was really not such the, <laughs> it was a terrible time. But God bless, you were able to pull it off.
0: Yeah, so- I mean, I was, I'm so thankful to our first client who sustained us You know, through that period. They kept giving us business for the first uh, couple of years. We were able to just sail through, just break even. We were able to take, let's say, know, the bare minimum expenses that we needed, you know. Excellent. And then we started expanding, uh, traveling to U.S. and Europe to meet new customers, uh, you know, do business development. And and then, you know, from there on, it kept on. Wow. What a ride.
2: What a ride, right? So anyhow, God bless you. You came to a good place. What exactly is the IP industry? And what does your company do for your clients?
0: Right, right. So, uh, you know, all big and small companies that you think of, you know, they have some sort of IP. They, uh, and there are different forms of IP. Mostly it's going to be either patents or trademarks. So you know, patents which give people you know, rights to protect their inventions and stop people from making, using, or selling uh, you know, things made uh, by their inventions. And trademarks, they are essentially helping you protect your brand name, slogans, logos, and anything that is used to identify your brand in trade. And, and you know, all this IP, uh, in a recent report uh, by Standard & Poor's, it was uh, identified that over 80% of the valuation of the market is intangible assets. And majority of that is IP. So, you know, it's a big... It has a big impact in the valuations of the companies Mm -hmm. that we see, you know, public companies and even, you know, companies that are startups that are, you know, getting their funding and stuff like that. So in order to create a strategy around, you know building your IP portfolio, maintaining your IP portfolio um, is is this good? I mean, I'm just-
2: No, you're good, you're good. Everything's good.
0: Okay, okay. So, you know, um, to create a strategy around being, you know, building your IP portfolio, maintaining your IP portfolio, uh, making sure uh, that you know you're able to defend any attacks on your business because someone has an IP and they want to, they think you are infringing on that.
2: But now, so all, yes. one second though, one second though, you're you're an engineer by trade. Isn't yes. IP usually the domain of lawyers?
0: Yes. Yes, indeed. So. IP specifically patents is like you got to be technical and then on top of that, you have to have legal expertise. So Uh it's the combination of both and the base is is technical. So what we do is that, you know, all this kind of IP activities, it requires lawyers. And at the same time, it also requires a lot of technical and legal research. It requires data analytics, techno legal writing, uh, you know, IP valuation. So let's say if you want to sell your IP or monetize it, take it to the bank and get some, you know,
2: know,
0: money from the bank. So all that needs financial analysis around IP, you know, so those kind of things. And then at times administrative and clerical work to maintain, you know, to submit documents and to keep track of those things.
2: So now you provide this, this service. Uh, your expertise to Fortune 500 level companies, what are the primary solutions that those companies come to you for?
0: So uh, so there are many uh, different things in the entire, let's say, in any organization, let's say, for example, Apple, uh, they have a team of engineers that are continuously working on bringing new uh, features into the phones and the devices that they come up with. Mm-hmm. And they're also working on bringing in completely new devices. So all these guys, day in and day out, that they're, they're bringing, they're thinking of something new and they're documenting it or creating it, right? And this is what Apple wants to protect. They don't want others to copy it. And if others copy it, they want to be able to sue them or stop them. That's why they need to file patents on, you know, each of these new things that they come up with. Uh, A patent in general can only be, you know, you can get a patent if what you're doing is totally new. It's something that's being done for the first time in the world. Someone has to check that before you submit this document to a patent office. So that means all these thousands of people, they're coming up with thousands of inventions every year. And someone needs to check that technically, whether it's new or not. So that's something, you know, that's one thing that we do. So this is called patent
2: yeah. yeah. Would it be fair to say that you're a clearinghouse for them for, to move forward into the IP space with a new patent? In other words, you put your eyeballs on it and say, yep, you guys are good with this. Or wait a minute, hold on. We need to do a little tweaking on it. Am I correct?
0: That's very right. So that's one thing, one part of, you know, what we do. That's one thing that companies use us for, right? And then let's say you've done this and now you have a, uh, The patents that are, you know, inventions that are ready to be filed, you want to engage a lawyer who will write the application and then, you know, it will go through the patent office, it will get granted and stuff. Now you have a bunch of patents, you've 10,000 granted patents. What do you do with those patents? You've got to make sure that you make money out of those. So you want to monetize those patents. Again, you need someone to analyze which products infringe on your patents and then, you know, provide you an evidence of use or or, you know, or a proof for that. So again, that's where we come in, where we'll analyze your patents. We'll look at the products in the market. We'll look at, for example, Samsungs right. Right. and all these companies, their phones, and do the mapping onto your patent. So in,
2: so in order to build this company that you have with over 300 professionals spread across six continents, which is amazing, what channel? What challenges does that present in terms of communicating your vision and guidance across that uh, that footprint?
0: Um, uh, yes, it's, it is somewhat challenging. I think one thing that helps is that, uh, me and my co-founder, we are, uh, not, both of us are not located in India. So I have moved here and, uh, he's there. So at least one of us is with the team and one of us can coordinate with the sales right here in the West. And, uh, another thing that we've tried to do is that the senior leadership that we've been able to build in our company, at least let's say the, the next two or three layers, uh, they are very well motivated and they, they are very well aligned with the organization. Uh, And I would say they are the people with whom we don't even need to communicate the vision. They are the ones who, you know, brought the vision with Mm -hmm. us together. And, and then the next, I would say, uh, the, the key people who we want to be in the organization and stay in the organization and, and you know, uh, help us grow. That's where we have right incentive structures like the ESOPs and everything. So they are already motivated to make sure that we build the organization and we achieve what we want to achieve. So That's been the one thing. Uh, another thing what we do is, you know, uh, every year at the beginning of the year, uh, we have a meeting where everyone from all the different offices goes back to India, uh, at least at least the sagacious owners group, so to say, the guys who who are the key decision makers and key movers and shakers, we meet in Goa, and that's where we spend three four days planning for the next year and aligning everything. So in those three four days, we come out with the goal forms for everyone, the metrics for everyone, what they need to get done with their team, what are how they are going to be you know, measured, the performance is going to be measured, everything. And then after that, it's just fortnightly, and monthly discussions. So then it's easier to do that. But
2: then you're able to execute on that plan that everybody has and they're all buy into. But right. now, okay, so all right, so you had this big meeting, Really, everybody's on the same page, and then COVID hit. Yes.
0: What happened? <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, that was really a difficult time for us. So in around uh, March of 2020 and March, you know, our financial year in India starts in April. So, you know, March was a time when COVID was just, I would say, you're picking up pace in India and at the same time we were planning for the next year you know, all uh, enthusiastically motivated to you know, go meet customers and bring new revenue. We had invested in Europe, Japan, you know US and, and Canada with having people here to to go have, meet, meet people. clients in person and, and all of that in the next month we realized that's not possible you know, for the next few months this is not going to happen. We did experience a sluggish April, Uh, and then we realized, you know, we need to change things. This is not if we continue doing this, we are not going to hit our targets. Uh, So we we changed a couple of things. First thing we did was uh, we started uh, calling our customers more often. So so as in everyone who had the who was the, the let's say point of contact for any customer, we we started to make sure that we reached out to them and humanly try to understand what are they facing? What are the challenges that they are facing? And we realized that they were facing challenges. The services that they used us for were not relevant for them anymore at that stage because they were not coming up with new inventions. The big companies had kind of stopped doing those activities and they wanted to monetize their IP right now. And they wanted to cut costs on their IP on maintaining their IP. So the whole discussion scenario changed but the more we realized that we were able to understand what problems they are facing and how we can help them there, it helped us. So, you know, despite having doubts ourselves that should we at this time reach out to customers more and bother them or, you know, let them be and, and not trouble them. Uh, we had this doubt that we should not trouble them, but, you know, we went beyond it. We talked to those people and that helped. That was one thing. Second, we uh, launched a COVID research assistance program. So through that, we gave 1,500 hours of free research support to anyone who was innovating uh, with respect to battling COVID. So if you were working on vaccines, if you were working on PPE kits, anything that was remotely related to uh, you know enabling people to fight COVID, you know, you could take a, take certain hours from that pool. So you, you were coming up with a new invention. You wanted to do a patentability search. Okay. 15 hours of research free to you, you know, things of that. So that helped us gain a big momentum. We started getting more inquiries and then there were those free hours and then there was more. So, you know, that helped us bring in new customers. Uh, We also uh, did a lot of, what do I say? Uh, Delayed, deferred billing for our customers, so our customers who wanted to, who wanted to give us work but they didn't want to pay at that time. We gave them, you know, extended.
2: You, time. you were actually acting like a partner to them, which is something yeah. very valuable. When, when, when times are not great, when you step up and say, "Guess what? I understand your dilemma. We're going to help. Right? We want to. We're in this together. We're going to come out of this together. We want to be here when we both come out of this." Wonderful, wonderful mindset. I know we did that in 08 and 09. a matter of fact, we did that in COVID as well. I did 25 CEO interviews related to COVID, especially just to get the pulse of what my friends and other business owners were feeling and doing. And it was quite eye opening because we were all in the same boat. Yeah. And and who you know who do you want next to you? You want a guy who's got an R, and he's going right along the side with you. So that was really cool. So I understand that you you told me you shared with me that uh, that was really good for business.
0: Yes, it it, it did. So in in the end, uh, so this was on the on the business side, on the client front, and then on the employees front too. We were probably the, I mean. Before the official lockdown, our team was already working from home. We'd sent everyone home in the middle of March. So we didn't, you know, take uh, any chances at all. And we we started, you know, and again, just like our Customers and employees were also facing challenges. Maybe someone's family member is getting infected or they are living in, you know, uh, where our offices are, but their hometown is somewhere else and it's their family members that they're concerned about. So for them to focus on work with the same, you know, enthusiasm was not not possible. We didn't expect that to happen. But what we did was we started two things. One, we started... uh, we started giving them extra leaves, extra day offs for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if someone in their family was infected. So we started that offer. And then we started giving them interest-free loans, uh, which is, I mean, we already have an interest-free loan program at Sagacious, but we, in, you know, we increased that fund and we created a separate fund called COVID fund. So even if someone was not eligible because mm-hmm. of their, Tenure at sagacious so there are certain criteria. You have to be two years in Sagacious and stuff like that. But yeah. even if you didn't meet that, you could you could take money out of that, and you know then you could pay later. Wow. So we did a couple of those things that helped people also, you know, deliver their best. I would say so you
2: did. You did what what the United States government did by providing that that financial help to to the citizens. You stepped up as a company and said, "Guess what? We got you covered." Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so proud of that. So I'm I'm understanding that things in India now are not so great in terms of COVID. So I really hope and wish that you guys come out of it, all your people in India, uh, you know, are spared and, and come out of it well. Because I had it. I know what it is. It's serious and, and it, it's something you gotta just pray and hope for hope for God will be good to you and get you out of it. Thank God we have the vaccines now. I understand our government is saying we're going to send you a ton of it, which I hope, I hope they do quickly, right? So before we go on, I'm, I'm hearing in my other ear that they're telling me it's time for a commercial break. So we're going to take a quick little commercial break, and then we'll be back.
3: Creating a comprehensive, effective marketing plan can be complex and difficult, but it doesn't have to be. At Lorraine Gregory Communications, we make it easy. Experience matters. Hello, my name is Tom Hunt, the founder of Fame. Now, Fame loves the Ask a CEO podcast. We've actually been working with Greg and Peter behind the scenes for the past year, over a year, I think, to help build and grow the show. And so if you have a business, specifically a B2B business, and you're looking to raise awareness with people in your field, to build relationships with people in your industry, then we would love to talk. We have this almost completely done for you service where we'll set up and grow a podcast that ideally will become profitable uh, within the first six months to a year. So if that's something that interests you, you can just go to fame.so, check out our case studies, etc. We would love to talk. And of course, I do want to say thank you. To Greg and Peter for building such an awesome podcast with Ask a CEO.
2: And we're back uh, with uh, Annette and yes. uh, his company is Sagacious and he is a top executive in the intellectual property industry. So welcome back to the show. Um, thank, you, thank you. What we're, what we're going to talk about now is more about your leadership style, right? Because mm-hmm. the audience is a mix of CEOs and the people on their way to the C-suite. So let's talk about some leadership. So I think there are three key factors. Most CEOs will tell me they have three to five factors that they should concern themselves with every day, regardless of the industry. Do you have such? What are the three key factors that you should concern yourself in running a business?
0: So uh, so I think I'll try to share what I think has worked for secacious You know, you know, when me and my partner we focused on these things, it has helped us. Uh, and we kind of learned it over the course of running secacious and, and some things worked, some things didn't, but this I think always works. Uh, so First thing we realize that when, you know, people want to do great work, people who are there in your team, they are actually, they are also, they, they join you. They, they do anything that they do is to, to shine, to do great work. And if there's confusion in what that great work is and how would that impact their growth, that can lead to bad performance. So, first thing we realize that if we have a vision, and if everyone is clear about that vision and their role in how to achieve it, now it sounds very, I would say, strategic at times, and it st- sounds very theoretical. But you know, you got to, you got to break that down so that everyone's efforts actually align towards a vision or a mission. You know? yeah. So that's the first thing we. We do every every year. Uh, second is we have to have right kind of motivation for everyone in the organization uh, to, to be achieving what we've asked them to achieve or what their goals are. So there has to be monetary incentive structure and everyone has different uh, motivations. Everyone is motivated by different things. So, so So if we set up the first thing that, okay, we give you the goal, Second thing is we have the right motivation to help you or to, to, to keep you energized to work towards your goal. And third is uh, we keep enabling them to work towards that goal. So, okay, you have you know what you need to achieve. You are motivated because there's an incentive when you achieve it. But then when you start doing it, you get blocked by something because, you know, okay, I'm focused on A, but there's this other department who keeps giving me this extra work. And I, I have to deliver it, but that impacts my performance. So it's my job to make sure that, you know these things don't happen. Or it's my job to put in systems in place that I enable this guy to do it. I don't get him distracted. So when when to get all these three things working, uh, on a on a day-to-day basis, we have to have systems in place. So I think we start with this, and then we bring in systems in place to make sure that this is happening. And on a daily basis, me and my my you know partner, our job is to just keep tracking the metrics and identifying where we are losing out on any of these, and you know keep taking actions.
2: So you communicate the vision and mission, and make sure everybody's on the same page, and and remove the roadblocks, right? So I, I, was, I was interested in the fact that you guys have been, what, a great place to work in twice. You've been recognized for that. So that tells me how important culture is to you. So maybe you could expound on that. I know you touched on it a little bit before, but how do you, as a leader, go about building a culture and maintaining a healthy corporate culture in such a big organization?
0: That's, that's a good point. And, and we, uh, you know, as we grew, we also realized that, you know, when it was a small team, let's say it's me and my partner, Tarun, and then let's say a team of four or five people that we are working together to do something. It's very easy for all of us to be on the same page and, and to have same sort of values. We don't need to write those values just by being together, working together. We're already, you know, in the same s- state of mind as the team grows, as people's responsibilities grow, and there are more layers that keep, you know, adding to your organization, it's very difficult to have everyone uh, work on the same values unless those values are defined, written, and then yeah. propagated. You know, so so that's what, and all these things at times, you know, we they sounded cliche to us, you know, having a vision, having a mission, having, you know, values and those kind of things, but we had an advisor or we still have him as an advisor. He's in Chicago. He taught us or he, uh, emphasized on us that, you know, we got to do this if we want to grow. And that was when we were what, 25, 30 people around that size. We started, you know, and we've changed our vision and mission and values since then, but that's when we thought that, okay, this is important. Now he's asking us to do this, do this, let's do it. We came up with that thing. And once those things are written, it's, it's very easy for, for anyone to, let's say, to define or to identify that, you know, what you're doing is not aligned with what should be done, because it's not as per the values. And my people are accountable, or my people are, have the power to hold me accountable, if I'm not doing something that's aligned with the values, and that has happened. Mm. So so i think one thing we did is okay this is what we expect our company to perform like these are the values we'll stand by and if i don't find if i don't follow these values you have the right to stop me and that also gives me the right to stop you and tell you to not do it so that's one then we have policies around those and those policies are iterated and discussed that's like one aspect of it second thing i told was that you know we truly believe that people want to shine, they want to do good work. And it's our job to tell them what's needed out of them and expectations are slightly higher than where they currently think. We help, we give them, we allow them to stretch themselves, to expand themselves mm-hmm. every year. So that's one thing we are very good at. Every individual at Sagacious, the person that they report to knows where they stand and you know what's the extension that they can achieve in the one year and, and that's monitored. So everyone is motivated to grow. I think that's probably helped us, you know, uh, keep people energized.
2: You know, when I was when I was in college, one of the communications courses I took was all about that, about expectations. If people know your expectations, they're more likely to achieve it and bypass it, as if instead of some amorphous, okay, you work at this desk. Right. But if I tell you, you work at this desk and I need you to do X, then he understands. And that makes all the difference in the world, because if you have people just flittering around and, you know, I'm doing a good job, I'm rubber stamping stuff and whatever, boss is happy, he's not bothering me. Well, that's not getting the value out of the employee and it's not allowing them to shine. So... I think that's a great thing that, that you actually lay that out for them and you do it on an annual basis so everybody's on the same page. It sounds like that's a very important thing and that's the way you run your company. Everybody needs to be on the same page so we're all pulling in the same direction. That's really great. It's really good stuff. I love these Ask a CEO interviews for that reason alone that everybody gets to take a pearl from you because you've lived it, you've learned it, you've done it. And all those people who are trying to get to the C-suite need to listen, right? To somebody who's done it in the crucible. You brought this thing up since 2008, it's 2021 now. Guess what? You started in a worst time and now look at what you have. So pay, pay attention people. This man knows what he's talking about. So tell me, I know you're a communicator. I know you're a teacher. I know you're a mentor to your employees. That's all great stuff. Every CEO has to wear those hats. But what does the future of Sagacious and yourself personally look like?
0: Uh, future of Sagacious, I, th- I think right now Sagacious is uh, amongst the top five IP support services provider uh, in the world. So I'm not talking about IP law firms. IP law firms. Are very different from us. We are providers to them as well. They are our customers. So in terms of such providers, we are amongst the top five. Uh, I would say across the globe. There's no official ranking, but based on the number of people that we see, you know, these companies have on LinkedIn and you know other data that's published and you know some sort of third-party recognition. Not in terms of ranking, but you know some sort of recognition. We know that we are among in the top five. We want to keep, you know. Going further in this ranking, we, we I won't say we want to be number one because probably we we do want to be, but I don't want to <laughs> you don't
2: want to jinx it.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say it that way. But yeah, we want to be in these top five and keep furthering. Uh and honestly, our, our vision or and truly that's what we want. We want to be recognized as the most trusted and and the indispensable part in the IP community. So if we're able if we're able to achieve that, I think number one is, is not a difficult thing. I
2: think, to... you, I think you're well on your way to that. And, and I, I admire you and I wish you all the best in that. So before I let you go, I always ask my guests this question and you yeah. can answer it on a personal side, the business side or both. What's sure. the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: Yeah, sure. So since, you know, I knew this question was coming to me, I, I you know, I noted the answers for both the both the aspects. So on personally, uh, the one advice which I am glad that I, someone gave me, I got it very late in my, I would say, in my business career also, but I'm glad that I got it, which was that the voice in my head or my opinion of myself uh, is not me. And, and that does not define what I can or cannot achieve. It's only my actions that will define what I can achieve. And there are times when I'm stuck, uh, you know, I can't do this or we can't do this. or we're not hitting the numbers. And that's when it's very important to get that out and, and you know, just focus on the actions and the goal. We may not hit it, but that's always put me in a good headspace and, you know, uh, enabled me to take action. So I, I love that, uh, business-wise our advisor, he, he, he told us that, you know, to achieve anything in business now that has worked for us. I'm not sure how it works for others, but he said to achieve anything in business, break it down into numbers. And as you continue focusing on the numbers, everything else will fall into place. So whether it's my team's performance, whether it's the happiness of my team, whether it's whatever it is, I got to measure it in numbers and then focus on that number. And then everything will fall in place to hit that number. And then, you know, performance will increase. And that has also worked for us. Interesting.
2: My dad who was in the eighth grade said, spend less than you bring in and you'll never be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, I really, really appreciate this. Tell the audience uh, where they can reach you, how they can reach you, and what you can do for them, you have the floor.
0: Okay, great. Uh, well, you can reach me at by email at anant.kataria, that's A-N-A-N-T dot K-A-T-A-R-I-A, at sagaciousresearch.com, S-A-G-A-C-I-O-U-S research.com. Uh, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. I'm active. I, I will respond to your message, have a conversation if that's needed. And I'm generally very happy to talk about my challenges and challenges that other people are facing. And you know, I, I, I like that. I learn from that. And I'm, I'll be happy if I'm, I can contribute in any way in your success.
2: Wonderful. Again, thank you so much. Everybody, that's a wrap. Don't miss any of our upcoming Ask a CEO interviews. We have some great guests lined up from every industry from all over the world. The video interviews are available on YouTube at Greg's Corner Office, or as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other streaming services. And if you've enjoyed the show, I please ask you to subscribe and share far and wide. Thank you all. See you next time.
1: That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk we'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app, or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.